It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas. And I'm your host, Todd Marquardt. Sponsoring today is also uh, Marquardt Law Firm and Falcon Bank. Decisions about your future can be difficult, but at Falcon Bank, our trust department can make planning for tomorrow a positive experience from estate planning and administration of trusts to investment management, including real estate and mineral management. Falcon Bank offers solutions with an honest evaluation of what you need. Call Falcon Bank at 210-489-4150 to discuss how they may be of service to you. Well, this is great that they're our new sponsor and they're able to help us keep our show on the air and that we were able to go to Pancake Joe. Pancake Joe's again today. I might still have a little syrup stuck on my lips. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was good. I'm not having pancakes or what? waffles this month That's because right. I'm fasting for Lent. I, I gave up bread. Oh, no. The yeah. temptation. Yeah, there was a temptation, but um, I've already lost three pounds in just a few days. Well, we'll have to keep track of that then and make sure that you're staying off of those carbs. But aside from talking about our breakfast plans, what's the mission of Talk Law Radio in the first place? The mission of Talk Law Radio is to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each person and each case, and laws are ever-changing, nothing provided herein should be used as a substitute for the advice of competent legal counsel. So contact an attorney uh, like Marquardt Law Firm, which sponsors the show. Have an initial consultation to find out if that lawyer or that law firm is the right law firm for you. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with a prayer. Of course. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us our sins for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, or failing to do your will. Please help Cheryl, John, Christiana, and me give good advice or information to the listeners about trust today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So thank you for joining us, Miss John. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am the Senior Vice President and Trust Officer of Falcon Bank. Um, I've been in the trust industry since 1980, having started with uh, the old Gross Bank that was downtown um, in 1980. 
So I am the administrator for multiple accounts uh, with investments in stocks, bonds, real estate, minerals, just about you name it. Um, Our trust department at Falcon Bank has been in the Stone Oak location since 2001, and that's where I'm currently employed. Falcon Bank is a bank, an independent bank. It is the 40th largest in um, Texas, and they are based in Laredo. Where did you get your education to be a trustee? Well, I I went to St. Mary's, went to St. Mary's Law School, and then I attended National Graduate Trust School in Evanston and various other um, trust schools, you know, around the country. And I've served as um, a board member, so to speak, on the um, Texas Trust School and served on the Norwest um, Committee to look into um, international banking. So it takes a lot more than just a law degree to really get to know what the duties of a trustee are. That's true. What does it mean to be an independent bank? Well, in other words, we're not one of the, the national conglomerates where, you know, you have your Chase, your Wells Fargo, that type of thing. This is an independent bank. It's owned by independent investors. So you don't have that, that same feel that you do with the huge national banks where you're just a name and a number and that's all in our bank you know, you actually have people that know you. You can walk into the lobby and and they'll greet you by name. Uh, Same thing with the trust department. You're not just a name and a number or so-and-so's beneficiary on so-and-so's trust. You know, we actually know our customers, and that's probably the biggest difference between an independent bank and, you know, the, the national banks. Wow, that is a big difference. I I learned something about Falcon Bank. I learned that Falcon Bank has a five-star Bauer rating. Are you familiar with what that means? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Okay. Will you say something about that? Well, it's it's a rating service, you know, for banks, and they they rate you on various aspects of your bank. And, of course, a five-star rating is equivalent to, say, in mutual funds, the Morningstar rating of five stars. It means that you're doing a really, really good job. I've read it says the institution is safe, financially sound, and operating well above its regulatory capital requirements. Yes. Good. Yes. And you said it was uh, the 40th largest bank in Texas. I also saw that it's um, recognized as uh, one of the top 100 highest-performing community banks. Oh, yes. So that's those are some accolades of Falcon Bank. Let's get into uh, answering some questions about trust law. Absolutely. So if you're tuning in right now, we are live today on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. We're also on Facebook live stream, so if you visit our Facebook page, Talk Law Radio, you can send us your questions and comments through the comment section or dial in at 210 308 
8867. And there's that audio backup right there. <laughs> the number again is 210-308-8867. One of the questions I wanted to ask about what is a trust? So I understand in layman's term, it's a legal document for estate planning. But how does a bank get involved? Is a trust a checking account? Is it the or is it a person acting like a person opening the bank account? Well, a, a trust account is um, a trust is an agreement between two parties. You have the grantor who is going to execute the trust and create the trust. You have the beneficiary who benefits from the trust. The trust has to have corpus, in other words, something put in it for the benefit of the beneficiary. You have to have a trust document. And then lastly, you need a trustee. Mm -hmm. And a trustee can be a person or it can be an, uh, a corporate trustee such as a bank. Um, as it relates to checking accounts, if you had a trust where a person set up, say, a grantor trust, in other words, they are the grantor and they are also the beneficiary. In order to avoid probate, they might want to set up a grantor trust where everything is in the trust, including their checking accounts. In that case, you can have a checking account styled in the name of the trust. Mm. When the person passes, everything flows through the trust rather than through the will. But to have a trust, you don't necessarily need a checking account. I like to tell people that a trust can own anything you or I can own. Yes. Checking, savings, CD, money market, mutual fund, bond. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a really long list. I think we're going to have to dive in deeper about what goes Real into estate, a trust. Real estate, mineral interest. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of things can go into it, and we have more time to dive into it. If you stay tuned, send us your questions by dialing 210-308-8867 here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. We'll be right back. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and we're here today live with Ms. Cheryl John of Falcon Bank, learning about trust. Now, it's a special day today because it's Leap Day. If anyone doesn't know, every four years, February is given one extra day to be the 29th. Some of the random facts I was able to find out, the first man both born and died on Leap Day was Sir James Milne Wilson, born in 1812 and then passed away in 1880. 
technically he was physically 68 years old, but through the leap years, he was only 17. He had 17 birthdays. <laughs> he saved a lot of money on his birthday cakes and presents then. Um, another random fact is the Salem Witch Trials started on a leap day back in 1692. Now, it's not a special leap day holiday, but it is still very interesting. The last day of every February is Rare Disease Day. Oh, God bless. And if anybody knows of the Chinese Zodiac this year was the year of the rat. So it's a little coincidental that we have a very rare and interesting disease going around right now. So remember, people, wash your hands. Yeah, all the more reason to do your estate planning. Exactly. So what are we talking about trust? You gave a long list of what goes into it. What what can a trust own? Now we want to talk about um, what are the different types of trusts. And the most basic question I ask our prospective clients is, do you want this trust to do something specific for you? Or do you want it to do something specific for somebody else or both? How would you answer that question? What are what are the most basic different types of trusts? Well, there's so many different types of trusts. Um, I mentioned a grantor trust, and that's something where you can set up a trust and you are the grantor. You may also be the beneficiary, and the trust is revocable. In other words, if you decide you don't like it, you can stop it. You can cancel the trust, take your money, and do whatever you want to with it. The other types of trusts are irrevocable trusts, and these are typically set up um, for the benefit of another person. So in other words, you could set up a trust for your child. You could set up your trust um, for a to, to benefit a charitable organization. You could do various things along that line. But again, this trust is irrevocable. Once you set it up, you can't change it. You can't alter it. You can't cancel it. Also, they could be inter vivos during life. Yes. Or testamentary, meaning uh, they don't spring about until after death. So you could even have a will that pops out of your, have a trust that pops out (laughs) of your will uh, after you pass away. Or you could have um, a living revocable trust, like Miss John was saying. Uh, that also has a testamentary trust that pops out of it after death. We know that the grantor could be their own trustee if they have a grantor trust. At what point would they want to have a professional trustee, like a bank or trust company? Well, in a lot of cases, when a person establishes a trust and they name a trustee, they might want to consider or they might consider um, a family member. The problems with this is that, you know, people die. They are involved in accidents. Sometimes they don't have the time. Um, In a lot of cases, they don't have the knowledge of what a trust is and what they will be required to do by serving as a trustee. So when you have a corporate trustee or professional trustee, you have somebody that has already you know, manage trusts, knows what needs to be done, um, knows all of the ins and outs as far as um, tax reporting, investing, um, tax law, um, probate law. 
that type of thing, so that when you have a professional trustee, this person can serve, and again, they're a corporation. They don't die. They don't get sick. They don't move away from you. So you would have a professional trustee that would be there, um, even if if a bank fails, you know, a, a new trustee will be found. So in that case, then you have somebody that's always there for you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of differences. I like to tell people that if you name an individual trustee, they're on the honor system, unless a beneficiary complains, of course. Uh, usually they, your family member would charge lower fees or no fee at all, um, but sometimes you get what you pay for. <laughs> exactly, exactly. With a professional trustee, you know, we're under regulations. We have auditors, we have examiners that come by once a year. They're going to look at that trust. They're going to look at the trust document. You know, they see what you're doing. They go through the transactions. They go through the investments. They look at all of that. They also look at your policies and procedures as a department. They look at who you chose as an investment advisor. They look at all of the aspects of a trust department, and then, you know, they rate you uh, accordingly. So with those, that type of oversight that you have from the regulatory agencies and from auditors, you know, you can feel a little bit more at ease that somebody's not going to take advantage of your beneficiary. In addition to this, we also have committees. We have trust committees that are set up. We have board committees that are set up. In each case, any type of decision that involves the trust, where it's a major decision, these committees are going to look at that and determine if, you know, the action needs to be taken or if the action is not warranted. And so you have that oversight over your trust. Some of the decisions that a trustee would make our investment decisions and and other decisions might be do we make discretionary distributions to the beneficiary exactly and a family member might (laughs) think that they could do that should we buy a a corvette for the beneficiary or just a chevrolet (laughs) and they may or may not be impartial though Exactly. Because, you know, you might have that type of relationship between the trustee and the beneficiary. Well, you might also have other beneficiaries involved. So you're looking at, okay, if I make this discretionary distribution, how will it affect the other beneficiaries? Because you could have a trust set up for siblings. You could have a trust set up with an income beneficiary with the remainder, the the balance of the trust going to their children. So you have another set of beneficiaries that you have to look at. And where you have a personal trustee, there may be that problem of not having impartiality because they're related. So, you know, if you have your, your beneficiary coming and saying, hey, I want to buy a Corvette, and the trustee says, well, I don't know, maybe you could go with something a little bit cheaper. No, but I really want it, you know, and they're not going to turn you down. Right. They give in because they're going to see you at Christmas time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Family holiday parties just won't be the same if they're mad. No. <laughs> and I, I tell people that if they want to prevent family conflict and preserve family harmony, a professional trustee is the way to go because if I have to decide whether to give my sibling money, it's more like a credit or debtor 
relationship. They have to ask. They already feel bad for having to ask. They feel like they're in a lower position when really we're not. And then somebody else has the power to say no, and so that puts a strain on the relationship. Isn't there a way for someone to go to an attorney and ask them to put in special words so that way there can't be any infighting or suffer the consequences? Yes, and this is one strategy to use is to name a professional fiduciary and then, hey, both kids can be mad at the fiduciary. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Then they're not mad at each other. That preserves the family relationship. Has there ever been a time when... um, you served as trustee for multiple generations like you were talking about the the primary beneficiary and then the remainder beneficiary after that yes we actually had or have several trusts that are set up that way to where you had the original testator that left um, assets in various trusts for his children um, under his will and unfortunately he also named some of the children as co-trustee. So there was some infighting because just that situation, you know, developed where you have to go to the trustee and you have to go to the co-trustee, all of them, and ask for your distribution. So, you know, there was a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of um, pressure on the various co-trustees to where the, the family suffered because of it. And then as you went into the third set of beneficiaries, the grandchildren of the original testator, the same thing happened because then these kids were all upset because they didn't appreciate how perhaps this one co-trustee acted or, you know, there there was hurt feelings amongst the various sets of families from each of these original children. Um, And it, it just, it became a family dynamic that wasn't a really healthy one. Yeah, I think about what is the major reason for the trust to for them to have these family meetings and disagreements, or is the the purpose for them to um, grow the trust or to distribute more assets? I think that if you had a professional fiduciary, you could take all of the personal opinions out of it and then just have one decision maker or or the committee decide well this is what financially we've decided is the best way to go we don't need everybody to agree we've crunched the numbers exactly and that's pretty much what happens when you have a professional trustee such as a bank you have the committee because any decision whether it be discretionary distributions or investments, it has to go to committee for approval. So you don't have just one person making up their mind in regard to that trust. You have the committee offering its oversight on what decisions are made. And the committee is going to look at the trust document. They're going to look at how it was set up, the terminology in the trust document. They're going to look at the trust itself to see the assets, to see what income is being earned on those assets. They're going to look at the the discretionary distribution request. What is the beneficiary asking of us? Can the trust afford to make that distribution? Does it fit within the parameters of the trust? So all of these things are are being looked at, and then, of course, they make their decision, and it goes back to the administrator of the trust to get back to the beneficiary with 
yes, we can do that, or no, we can't. Those are a lot of factors to consider. Yes. And usually you can come up with a one best decision based on the numbers. I once represented years ago when I was working for another law firm, um, two brothers who had been named co-trustees. And I knew the, the grantor before she passed away, and she assured us that they those two sons loved each other dearly. Mm-hmm. After she passed away, I would have never guessed that they loved each other dearly because of the horrible things that they said about each other. They accused each other of stealing, and uh, they accused each other of hiding information. And they didn't really need the money. Both of them were physicians. Um, But one brother would say, I think that we should fix up mom's house before we sell it. The other brother would say, I think that's a waste of time. I think we should sell it as is and get the money right away. If they were in front of me today, I would say, don't think. Look at the numbers. Well, if you're tuning in right now, what I have to say is don't change that channel. We are going to have a bit of a long break, but we're coming back live here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and we're live here on Talk Law Radio, interviewing Ms. Cheryl John of Falcon Bank, talking about trust. Now, I have a question again. If the reason why this document is called a trust is because it seems to be testing everybody's trust issues involved. That's right. <laughs> that's that's pretty um, common, yes, that the people would say, you know, well, trust us. You know, the trustee can say those same words. You need to trust me, you know, so you're right on the money on that. Um, I've got a joke for you, though. Oh, really? Yes. Um, a gentleman was at a cocktail party, and he's talking to various people there. And he says, you know, I hate to say it, but I have trust issues. Hmm. My father didn't leave me one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's nice to be a trust beneficiary, I guess. I'm not one. So let's talk about some of the purposes and uses of trust. Uh, What do you see? Well, in a lot of cases, you know, when people come in and, and they're discussing a trust in a lot of cases, particularly in today's society, where you have families that are no longer living close together, where the children move off and the parents, you know, are kind of left to their own devices, um, they will come in and they want somebody that will serve as a trustee to give them services such as bill paying, um, investment advice, to take some of the day-to-day things that we take for granted that as you get older become more difficult, um, they want somebody to take that over and to be there in case something happens so that they can be provided care so that perhaps they can, you know, live in their own home um, with caretakers, that type of thing. So they know that the kids are no longer close by or the kids don't have the expertise to handle it or perhaps the patients to handle it. So they're looking to a third party, you know, to provide these services. 
In other cases, you'll have somebody come in and they want to set up a trustee for another person. And in those cases, what they're looking for is perhaps the children are not as astute with money as they as the parents would like, or they want these assets to be held in trust until the children gain more maturity and understand the worth of money and how to manage it. In some cases, it'll be, you know, parents will come in and they say, well, I have a special needs child. You know, what happens to this child when both of us pass away? What can be done, you know, to make sure that this child is taken care of? Those are some really great reasons to set up a trust for anybody. When it comes to somebody who's older or disabled, uh, I've found that one of the biggest obstacles to aging is identity theft and financial exploitation of the elderly. If you have a professional trustee, they can't do much harm. Yes, that that's very true. I had one of my beneficiaries call and she said, you know, I got this phone call and they said that they're holding my son down in or my grandson down in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I said, well, did they put him on the phone? What was he doing down there? She says, well, I don't know. I don't know why he would be down there. And I said, well, did they put him on the phone? And she said, yes, but it didn't sound like him. Mm. And yet she was willing to send money down there for his bail money, but she still wasn't quite sure about it. So she called, thank goodness. I've heard about that same situation. uh, And when asked, did you call your grandson and, and find out if he was really down there? They always say no. Yes. Well, I asked her, I said, did you call his parents? Well, no, he asked me not to. Right. You know, so it's it's um, puzzling. But as you get older, you're you're more, I think, just accepting, um, accepting of what, of, of what's of what somebody's said. Yeah, yeah, of what somebody's going to tell you. And and the on the other end, when you're uh, setting up a trust to take care of uh, children or grandchildren, some of the reasons that. Uh, my clients wanted to do that was to make sure that they got their education. Yes. So they they put a specific purpose in there for that. Um, you can even put conditions on it. Um, if if you graduate, then you can have the rest, or uh, you have to go to school or uh, reach a certain age. That's uh, a, another purpose. Uh, Some other reasons that I've been involved with is, like you said, when they reach a certain age of maturity, well, if you talk to estate planners now, uh, they would all tell you that the age of maturity is different in 2020 than it was in 1980 or 1950. Well, what is that now? Well, it's not a specific age. It's just a we've noticed that it takes longer for kids to leave the nest. True. It takes longer for them (laughs) to get their first job to where they've earned enough income to pay their own rent. Well, that's true because, you know, if you think about it, people used to marry at a much earlier age, Mm -hmm. you know, and they were out of the house, they were out of their parents' house, they had to establish their own household, raise their own children. And now as people marry later in life, as they extend their educations, you know, further, rather than a four-year education, sometimes it extends out to six, seven, eight years, you know. And then you also have the children that return to the nest, you know, for whatever reason. 
being, you know, unable to find employment or for other situations. So um, you're right. The age of maturity has extended out. So that brings me to the point uh, about the spendthrift clause. Um, you have a good definition of spendthrift? Well, a spendthrift is somebody who just has no clue about money. And they're going to, if they have, you know, $10, they're going to spend it by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that type of mentality that they don't understand that the well will run dry. In other words, you, you can make a distribution for this, you can make a distribution for that. So a lot of trusts will have that spendthrift clause in there in the hopes of curbing somebody's propensity to do that. In addition, it also keeps the child from um, using the trust or the trust funds as collateral on a loan Mm -hmm. so that, you know, you don't have creditors coming and saying, hey, you know, this kid owes me some money. Right. And even if even if they haven't tried to use it as a collateral for a loan, it helps to protect the trust assets from that beneficiary's other liabilities. Yes. If they have a, a profession or they work in an industry where there's lots of risk or where there's a propensity for frivolous lawsuits or where you're just worried about your beneficiary's uh, divorcing spouse uh, taking some of the inheritance that you're leaving and you worked so hard for, uh, that spendthrift clause can protect the trust assets from those situations as well. Is there a way for people to contact Ms. John during the oh, week yeah. if they have any questions and concerns about setting up their trust right? Yes. Call Falcon Bank at 210-489-4150. That's 210-489-4150 to discuss how they may be of service to you. Absolutely, then. So what other aspects about a trust should people be aware of before they go and sign that document to put it into effect? I would say there are different distribution standards. There are. And the, the main thing, too, is for somebody to really look at that trust, read it over several times, make sure that's exactly what you meant to say and how it's going to work. You know, talk to your attorney, ask him, how will this thing work once it's funded? Um, The different distribution standards, you know, that could be anything from um, the typical, you know, HEMS standard, health, education, maintenance, and support, um, to I want, you know, the the trust to consider other income that my child might have or other assets that my child might have before you make a distribution. So all of this language is tied up in that trust document and to really, really review that document to make sure that's what you meant to say. And you can write in a a special purpose with your distribution standard. Some people want a a more liberal standard where uh, distributions can be made for anything or a more conservative standard where, like you said, uh, the trustee is considering income and resources and employability. Uh, I once had uh, talked to somebody about Uh, what happened when his mom passed away. She left him an inheritance, and he took a year off. He just quit working for a whole year. Oh, goodness. And then she didn't leave him that much money. After a year, the inheritance was gone, and he was back working again. Yeah. (laughs) 
So if somebody wants to start a trust and they're going to have it grow over time, do you need to have thousands and thousands of dollars ready to deposit in it? Or is there a common value that you can get a trust started for? For me, it's really just about what purpose you want it to serve. And so you can start it and fund it throughout your whole lifetime. Um, Cheryl has some ideas about that, about uh, the way other corporate and professional fiduciaries will answer that question. Um, probably we should answer that after the break. That, that would be good. <laughs> so don't change that channel. We will come back continuing with our live episode here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Call us with your questions before we end the show at 210-308-8867. Come back with us here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. We'll be right back. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and we're live today interviewing Ms. Cheryl John of Falcon Bank, learning about trust. Yeah, so Cheryl, before the... Uh, break, Christiana was asking, do you have to have a certain amount of assets before you can set up a trust? Is there, does Falcon Bank have a minimum required? We actually don't have a minimum required. What we do is we look at the trust document, we look at the purpose of the document, <clears throat> we also look at the amount of assets that are going to be um, handled in the trust. But you know, there, there was a survey done recently because what we found in the trust industry is that a lot of the major trust corporations are going to a higher and higher level that you have to have in trust before they'll even consider serving as trustee. So this survey asked, you know, um, trust beneficiaries, what was the, the, the most important thing that, you know, you want in a trust. And the two things that most people said is that they wanted a local trustee. They wanted somebody that they could call, that they knew who the person was, that they would get them at the same time each and every time. And also that the trust company was not using just proprietary mutual funds, but would use um, various assets of any type. In other words, the, the trust could be funded with unusual assets. It could be funded with real estate, minerals, limited partnerships, etc. And also what they found was that um, with smaller trust companies, these could be highly profitable because what you have is anywhere from 100000 to $1 million, um, a group of potential trust customers 
in that category that was called the mass affluent. From that point on, it moved from 1 million to 10 million, and these were the um, the higher wealthy clients. And then from 10 million on, the ultra wealthy. And they said that a lot of the larger trust corporations are looking only at the ultra wealthy and just a small portion of the the higher end, you know, affluent people. So that left all of the people from, you know, 100,000 to 1 million and part of the, the second tier group, you know, without somebody willing to serve. At Falcon, we don't have that. You know, again, we look at the trust, we look at the assets, and we'll be honest with you, you know, this is what it's going to cost to have a trust so that, you know, you can make an informed decision. Um, you know, so we we would service a broader range of people, let's say, because we're not turning away people that do have a need. You look at it on a case-by-case basis. Exactly. That's great. And and there are some special trusts that we set up for people that have no money, and that's the trust to help people qualify for Medicaid. Um, Technically, it's known in the regulations as a qualified income trust, uh, popularly known as the Miller's Trust. That's if uh, the beneficiary needs to qualify for nursing home Medicaid because they need 24-7 nursing care. And uh, technically, their monthly income is over the limit for Medicaid to qualify for Medicaid. But their assets are below the limit. And so the the government says, uh, we'll allow you to set up this trust as long as your income is used to pay the copayment at the nursing home, then Medicaid will make up the difference. Um, But it's not really used to protect assets. It's only used to overcome the income limit problem. Wow, it's great that there's even that kind of option. If you are interested about Miller Trust or finding a professional trustee, keep following our page, Talk Law Radio on Facebook, or visit com and use their online chat box to send your questions for them. Again, that's com. M-A-R-Q-U-A-R, D like David, T like Tango, lawfirm.com. Another purpose for trusts um, that I've seen and heard about is when one of the potential beneficiaries might have issue with uh, substance abuse, drug addiction. You ever hear about that? Yes, we've we've had examples of that. Um, The one case that... We had um, we had a trust for the beneficiary, her son, who was one of the remainder beneficiaries. In other words, he would inherit after his mother's death, um, had substance abuse problems. So he was not current. But we wondered what we were going to do, you know, when his mom passed away. <clears throat> Unfortunately, she did. But I guess fortunately for him, in a way, he passed, you know, not too long after Ooh. while we were still trying to wind down the trust. So we never really ran into that problem of, you know, what do we do with him? Because we we were exploring it, like, where can we send him? You know, what medical help can we get him? Not everybody can get that bittersweet solution. And you you can write those requirements into the trust where you say, 
uh, the trustee shall perform some type of drug testing, and the beneficiary only gets a distribution if they pass. Yeah. Uh, my dad told me that more money makes you more of what you already are. If you're a drug addict or if you're addicted to alcohol, then you're just going to drink more or use more. If you're a charitable person, then you'll give more. And so I say that to all my clients. Um, what do you hope to achieve by giving your beneficiaries these assets or this money? Speaking of legacy, you know that uh, Marquardt Law Firm sponsors the show, yes. right, Cheryl? And uh, at Marquardt Law Firm, we do last wills, living trusts, and estate planning. And uh, we always ask about legacy. That's uh, one purpose for doing estate planning is so that you can leave a legacy that you're proud of. Uh, what would you say that your legacy will be? Well, what I would hope my legacy would be was to have been of service, you know, to my friends, to my family, um, you know, to my employer, to my beneficiaries of all of the trusts that I manage, um, just to be of service to them that's in some way that I helped them along, um, whether it was, you know, medical care or, you know, just a, a person to talk to or encourage them in some form or fashion, you know, just so that I, I think it's something that we should all consider is how can we be of service to each other, you know, to where things can progress in a positive manner. Right. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Legacy doesn't have to be a fistful of money that you leave your beneficiaries. It can be uh, the lessons that you leave them, the, the teachings that you provide. And if you want to just write down what you want them to remember you by, uh, you you don't even have to put that in your will. I call it a legacy letter. <laughs> I might have to write a legacy letter because I myself don't have thousands saved up, but I believe my own legacy is just the value of being curious, of wanting to learn about other people's story. You hear something that you're not familiar with, and it just automatically sparks interest. You want to learn when did it start, who started it, why is it going, who, what, when, where, why. Those common questions are just constantly making me search for any new information that I haven't learned yet. Well, you know what legacy you've already uh, saved for the future is our podcast, <laughs> which is available now on Apple iTunes. If you look up Talk Law Radio, you'll be able to see Todd Marquardt's beautiful smiling face. Yes. And if you visit our Facebook page, you'll be able to partake in our Facebook live streaming. And TalkLawRadio.com has all of our playlists from before. Okay, Cheryl, how about some uh, last parting comments about um, what it's like to be a professional fiduciary? Has anybody ever thanked you? Yes, and, and in so many cases. Um, I've Mainly it, it's been my younger beneficiaries, you know, that have finally reached their distribution age and they've taken their trust. And they said, well, you know, thank you for all what you did for me for all of those years. And in some cases, you know, it wasn't just like, well, you granted every distribution wish I ever had. It was some, in some cases saying no. 
you know, we, we can't afford to make that distribution. And, you know, to where when their trust terminated, they actually had something that they could take with them and, you know, buy a house, start a family, mm-hmm. you know. That's whatever. a great point. We didn't say that before, but if it's a, a trust set up for minor children, the trustee can make distributions for health education, maintenance, and support yes. while they're under that specific age and then when they reach that specific age then it can be distributed i know that we only have a few minutes left but that um statement that you made about a trust expires expiration well in most cases trusts will terminate Terminate. at a a certain time well in texas it will terminate yes yes (laughs) so then there's a lifespan for trust then yes that but, sounds like something that people are going to have to meet with an attorney for that. Yeah, it can be – you can set up when that trust is going to terminate, um, but it, Texas follows the rule against perpetuities, meaning you can't, as the grantor, uh, control the assets in perpetuity forever. It has to end someday, some way, and uh, the longest that it can go is um, – if you think of uh, who the youngest person is in that person's family uh, when they pass away, well, that person's whole life plus 21 years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but the rule against perpetuities is a rule that even attorneys like us had to struggle through in law school. It's <laughs> it's one of the most foreign concepts that you would never dream up <laughs> If you had to create your own set of trust rules, it's just not very intuitive. But when our founding fathers uh, came from uh, Europe to the U.S., uh, this is one thing that they always remembered is that they didn't want uh, wealth to stay in the hands of a specific few, but that uh, control would be released someday. So thank you for tuning in to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. We've been talking with Cheryl John at Falcon Bank. Decisions about your future can be difficult, but at Falcon Bank, the trust department can make planning for tomorrow a positive experience. From estate planning to administration of trusts to investment management, including real estate and mineral management. Falcon Bank offers solutions with an honest evaluation of what you need. Call Falcon Bank at 210-489-4150 to discuss how they may be of service to you. And remember to tune in next Saturday at 11 o'clock here on Talk Law Radio. We won't be live, but we'll still be here at 11 o'clock next Saturday.